0: Okay, a lot of waving going on now, sorry about that. Well, let's pray for ourselves, let's pray for the children as they've gone out to Sunday school. Lord God, we do thank and praise you for this opportunity to come before your word, Uh, both those of us that are staying in this room and for all the youngsters that have gone out to their classes. Lord, we do thank you that your word is the living word. It's as powerful and as contemporary as when it was first written. And Lord, is for our growth, uh, for our learning, Lord, for our discipling, Lord, for all the challenging of areas in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that by your spirit uh, to all of us in uh, this building this morning, that you will come by your spirit and speak to us through your word, that our lives might be transformed. Lord, as Wayne has said, that we might have that ongoing heart transplant, that we'll just grow closer to you. And particularly we pray for any following us online or even here today, that us don't really know you as their Lord and Saviour. Lord, will you give them the heart transplant that they might come and see you for all you are in your wonderful saving grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've had our memory verse, and I've been looking at various aspects of it through this year, and the final one is living as children of God in the face of a desperate world, living as children of God in the face of a desperate world. The next slide, please. As we look back on another year, where are the highlights? Or what have been those times where we wish we could have rewritten what has happened? And as we look forward to the new year, what are our hopes and what are our fears? Maybe a measure as we look back and as we look forward is what we consider successful. So has this year been successful or not? Will next year be successful or not? And if we think that's a reasonable measure within, we surely do need to then ask, well, what is success? How do we measure success? Well, as an elder of uh, this church, what might I say, looking back and looking forward? Without a shadow of doubt, in my mind, 2023 has been a year of growth in Christ. And my hopes for 2024, more of the same, please, Lord. But let's go back to Jeremiah and ask ourselves the question, I wonder what Jeremiah would say about success. But first, the story. A film crew was on location many miles away from any built-up area in California. And one day, an old Indian went up to the director and said, Tomorrow rain. The next day, it rained. A week later, the same Indian went up to the director and said, Tomorrow storm. And lo and behold, the next day, there was a massive hailstorm. This Indian is incredible, says Steven Spielberg. He told his PA to sign him up as part of the team in order to predict the weather. However, after several successful predictions, the old Indian didn't turn up for four weeks. Finally, The director sent for him and said, I've got to shoot a big scene tomorrow, and I'm really depending on you. What will the weather be like? The old Indian shrugged his shoulders and said, Don't know. Radio is broken. (laughs) Probably wasn't listening to the BBC, but there we go. But a radio. But perhaps... Jeremiah would have said that he measured success through his communication or relationship with his God. He was certainly able to comment on Israel's status through God's communication with him. And our opening verse in our passage is not too hopeful, is it? This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So what is success? Most definitions include achieving goals and acquiring wealth, prestige, favor, and power. Yet if we use these criteria, Jeremiah was an absolute failure. 40 long years, He had brought God's word to the Israelites without success. And now God's judgment had arrived and his people were in exile. Even personally, Jeremiah having been thrown both into a prison and into a deep well, taken to Egypt against his wishes, rejected by family, friends, neighbors, audiences, false priests, And prophets and throw in the occasional king. He couldn't count a boastful or boast of a successful CV. But in God's eyes, Jeremiah was a success. Regardless of his own personal circumstances and the negative reaction of those that were listening to him, Jeremiah had obediently, courageously, and faithfully proclaimed God's message to the Israelites. And surely this teaches us success can only be truly measured in God's eyes. So whatever we may think, I wonder how the Lord is measuring success in our life. I wonder how he is measuring success in the life of the church. And as we think about that, we need to remember that we have a God who is always, in his person, his words, and his actions, successful. A humble, uncomfortable, and less than hygienic birth was a resounding success a life of being misunderstood, frustrated by the the slowness of his followers, the never-ending, often selfish need of the public, was a success. A horrific, painful and shameful death as a criminal on a Roman cross of crucifixion was a success and a messed up world full of natural disasters, wars, civil and industrial unrest, greed and selfishness, in which he is still building his church, his plans are, and always will be, successful. Yet, what do we see? How good is our radio reception with God. So, first point, living in a desperate world. One of the contextual reasons we believe for the early closure of the church plant in Epsleet where Lucy and I were involved before coming here to Ashford. Was that the residents could not see their need. Ownership of a new house or flat, check. Starting a family, check. Living outside the M25 overlooking green fields, check. A fast train link to London, check. A brand new school, check. Living next door to Blue Water. Check. Need? What need? We're okay, thank you very much. And then we factor in what the Bible tells us that everyone, everyone is blinded by the God of this age to God and His Word. We must therefore conclude need what need? They. Once upon a time, we couldn't see any need. And how how frustrating is it when these same people reading the newspapers, watching the news, facing massively high mortgage repayments or rents, facing smelly nappies, And sleepless nights, sorry guys, for those that are just going through that. Traffic jams on the A2 heading towards the M25 and coming right up to date. You can't get on the train because you can't get through the tunnel underneath the Thames because it's flooded on your way to London. These people still cannot see their desperate need and that of the world around them. Thank you, Ollie. God, through Jeremiah, could not be blunter and clearer as he speaks to his people, verses 17 to 18. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will send the sword, famine, and plague against them, and I'll make them like figs that are so bad that they cannot be eaten. I will pursue them with the sword, famine, and plague, and will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth, a curse, and an object of horror, of scorn, and reproach among all the nations where I will drive them. God's judgment upon his people the world is certainly reaping its reward. Even COP 28 has made that very clear. But, and we need to be careful and sensitive here, is God's judgment upon the world as it was upon his people and these refugees in Babylon? And if that is the case, we must ask the question, why? Well, Jeremiah gives us the answer, verse 19. For they have not listened to my words, declares the Lord. Words that I sent to them again and again by my prophets, by my servants, the prophets. And you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. Well, for those of us that know Jeremiah, that might sound just like him, nicknamed the prophet of doom. It doesn't sound for us, though, in the 21st century, like the church has any good news to give after all. But don't don't let us write off Jeremiah's God or his word just yet. Being in a right relationship with God being tuned in to God's wavelength through believing in His Son, Jesus Christ, reading His Word day by day. That is critical. So let me ask again, how good is and will be our radio reception with God this coming year? Living in a desperate world, but secondly... We are living with a wonderful hope. As God had not written off His ancient people, either far away in exile or during the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testaments, God was still speaking His good news to them, as He is to us uh, today. We have these last few days been celebrating his love to them, the exiles and these people of Israel, and to all mankind in sending at just the right time his son, born as a baby into this world to a virgin in Bethlehem. And surely that is God's good news. But it may be that it's not just living in a desperate world that hurts. It may be that someone here or listening in feels that their own lives are desperate. So listen up. There is good news. Verses 10 to 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. To bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into into exile. Now, I know there's several here, including myself. This is one of our favorite Bible passages. And why not? It is a message full of hope for the future. Success is promised. And surely to those reading these words, some 600 years before Christ's birth, and in a foreign land among strange people, customs, and gods, these words surely must have been simply amazing to them. And for us, living as spiritual refugees in a foreign and desperate land and facing a new year, surely we must let these words from our God speak into our hearts and bring hope. Into our lives, Wayne reminded us of these words last Sunday as he shared his testimony, and that these wonderful words nonetheless require a response, verses 12 and thirteen. being in a right relationship with God is critical, and communication with him is the evidence of how good and strong our relationship is from our perspective. Of course, it's never weaker or less from God's perspective. I'm reminded of these similar encouraging words of hope in Romans, from Romans 28 and verses 28 to 30. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been calling to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified. He also glorified. We must move on from those lovely first words of promise, mustn't we? God's wonderful promise of hope is conditional on being in a right relationship with Him in the first place. It is for those that He is called, foreknown, predestined, justified, and glorified. It is for those who love Him and love Him with all their heart. And how does the Apostle John reveal to us how we love God? By being obedient to His Word. If you want a little bit of a word search, have a look through through the Gospel of John and in John's letters, how many times that the Apostle John links love and obedience, our love to God and our obedience to God. It's staggering the number of times that John does this. We're just going to look at one verse, from John chapter 14 and verse 23, please, Ollie. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. I chose that one out of the numerous verses because again, in my mind, it really ties in with this passage in Jeremiah. If we love and obey the Lord. If we listening to Him, He will come to us. And here in Jeremiah 29, these words of hope in a desperate world should cause us to respond by seeking him and calling on his name. We need to seek him out. We need to call on him in prayer. And then we will receive even better and greater gifts than prosperity and security we will enjoy the gracious gifts of a listening father we will enjoy the gracious gifts of a god who will find us no matter where we are and what our present circumstances are and will be a former godly pastor samuel rutherford once told his congregation whenever i find myself in the cellar of affliction I always look about for the wine. So let's look for this good and tasty wine. And let's be encouraged by these great and precious promises. God will come to us. God will fulfill His promises. He will bring us home. He will gather us together in His presence. This same God has got good plans for us, not to harm us. He's got plans to give us hope, plans to give us a future, plans if we're already believing in Him through trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ, we can enjoy now, let alone going into the future. We might be living in a desperate world, but we are living in hope, the hope that is in our God and Savior. And we have a future, an eternal future in His presence among His people. That is our hope. And we need to remember these great and precious promises for whatever lies ahead. And even as we look back, to be encouraged to think, wow. God really was in those circumstances. He has been with Dawn and Graham. He has been with Wayne and Carmen as we've listened to their testimonies over these last few weeks. And if we remember all those testimonies shared on our WhatsApp group, God has been there. He's never going to change. And he's our confidence as we look forward. Promises of hope, conditional on our relationship uh, with God. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty good to me for a new year. Surely this is full-bodied vintage wine from God's cellar for us to enjoy. But of course, we do need to be careful and not misunderstand what God is promising here. We do need to focus on the main truth, and that it is all about what God will do and not what we can do. We must remember that the prized possession here is that God will come to us and bring us into his presence with all the joy, peace, and comfort that brings. We need to remember that these plans are always good because God is good. And he has prepared both our works and circumstances in advance. We must remember that he has given us real hope and a future, both wrapped up in Christ's life, death, and resurrection. As he works out on all who call on him in faith, the meaning of his name, Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. These are the headlines. This is our prosperity. This is why he will not and cannot harm us. Again, we've had these read already this morning. God is good from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Hardship? Persecution? Famine? nakedness, danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing has through this last year, nothing will until he comes again in his glory. And yet we cannot avoid the truth that for these refugees... These words had real time and physical meaning. They did return to their homeland. They did rebuild the temple. They did rebuild the city walls that had been burnt and pulled down around Jerusalem. And yet, here is a constant warning that we must also take to heart. Even as they saw these wonderful promises fulfilled in their lifetime, that God still had to raise up godly leaders, Ezra and Nehemiah, who time and time again had to exhort the returned Jews to return to God. And that is why the imperatives to pray, call, seek after and find God are absolutely vital every day. So, how good is your radio reception with God this morning? Are you, am I on his wavelength? Will we be each day through this new year and until he comes again? And then thirdly, we can also look forward to living in a better world. Verses 4 to 9. We discover that Jeremiah is not yet done with these exiles, nor God with us. As we read, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So that they too may have sons and daughters increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. As the exiled people of God living in this strange and desperately godless world, we are to love God by loving our neighbor. We are to work out these commands right on the doorstep where God has placed us because our God is calling us to settle down, build, plant, eat. It does sound a little bit like eat, drink, and be merry, doesn't it? But in the right sense, in the right relationship with God, He's telling us to live in this world but not of it. And it's also a long-term plan, growing families, building a dynasty. The emphasis is so clear, isn't it? Increase, do not decrease. We have hope. Maybe we think, well, yeah, we can do that. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? And yet, as we've seen throughout this passage, there is more. We are to pray for the peace and well-being of the people where God has placed us. Now, let's think about this. First command might have been quite easy, although perhaps a little strange. But for these refugees... Living in Babylon, in the land of their enemy, pray for them and pray for their prosperity. That's a challenge, isn't it? Coming up to date, just imagine being a believer in eastern Ukraine and praying for your Russian occupiers and their prosperity. Or oh, what about a Palestinian believer living in Gaza? Praying for their enemies and praying for prosperity to be upon the nation of Israel. Wow. Perhaps we have integrated so well into this life that we do not consider ourselves as refugees but let's pray for the prosperity of Great Chart and Ashford. Let's pray for the prosperity of the UK and the nations. And let's remember, and surely this is also a wonderful encouragement, as we pray and as God answers, so he promises that we too will be able to enter into that prosperity. Surely that doesn't sound too bad, does it? Yet again, imagine what this would have meant for these exiles. I think we are being challenged here to enjoy the life God has given us, but to hold it lightly. It is not our home. We are just a passing through as the spiritual song has it. And perhaps we need to think of those who we don't get on well with. Maybe those we consider our enemies And are we being challenged this morning to pray for their prosperity? And I think of those on the front lines of uh, spiritual combat, especially our teachers, for example. And maybe here again is a challenge for them. So, how good... Sorry, Ollie, you need to go and run through this slide. How good is our radio reception with God in this area? Are we listening in with a clear and strong signal? Because we are reminded that there are other radio stations. Verses 8 to 9, Jeremiah says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So let's be careful that we are listening to God's truth and not other words from false teachers. So we close with our application this morning run these through, Ollie, as I say them. How are we to live as children of light in a desperate world? We are to recognize the world and its great need for what it truly is. Secondly, we are to remember God's great and precious promises and live with real hope and peace. And thirdly, we need to respond in seeking God and his glory as we pray for the helpless and hopeless that we live among. And the God who makes these great and precious promises is the same God that Paul speaks of in his letter to the Ephesians. And I'm going to close with these lovely Wonderful words that we're hopefully getting so familiar with now. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is already at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all Generations forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we've had a good year with the Lord, and I pray that we will continue to rejoice and give thanks for all His goodness and faithfulness to us. But let's go forward into this new year with that same hope. We're living in a desperate world, but we are living with a hope. And we can pray for a better world, for his glory.